Hello and welcome to the Natty's Podcast. My name is Jared Grunewagen, and I am joined once again by Andrew, my vulture babies will eat you, Durham. <laughs> vulture babies! <laughs> this week we are joined by another special guest, the mastermind of Team Canada's travel planning, Timbo Slice. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I don't think that's a, like a direct reflection of how amazing... Tim has put everything together. Like, thank you so much, Tim. Like, that's a crazy amount of stuff that you've uh, been able to put together between, like, the rides and the spots where we're staying and so much idiosyncrasies and making sure everyone is kind of, I mean, like, what, 30 of us is, like, all kind of put together neatly in a package and that everything's going to work out just right, fine. Like, absolutely amazing, dude. Well, thanks, dude, and uh, thanks for repping the deck of the dogs and coming. Yeah, no problem. I can't wait. I swore this year was going to be year of try out some premiere events and bam worlds and some is like one of the craziest awesomest uh like x-wing opportunities uh is going to be coming up so i can't wait especially hang out with all you guys for that for the time at worlds it's gonna be so good yeah it should be a good time the news should be out we uh, we do have one spot for the lcq if somebody wants to come if one of your dagaba dogs wants to last minute jump on there we go last minute boys it, it would have to be somebody who flies there or no actually we have one of each yeah we have a ground we have a ground spot as well we'll put him in the trunk no no <laughs> nothing so dramatic no we drag him drag him behind the car yeah exactly put skis on him though <laughs> well today on the cast we will be discussing the canadian party bus to worlds We'll also be discussing how Wave 5 has affected the meta and some of the world's side events. But to start things off, what have you guys been flying this week? Let's start with Andrew. Uh, well, I mean, I went to a hyperspace uh, and I brought some sturdy 5SFs uh, with advanced optics and fanatical. Did okay. Um, I found some weaknesses weaknesses to it that I pretty well knew was already there but uh, it was just about having a good time it was more about uh, going out and supporting a buddy who had uh, really been busy busy and couldn't get the chance to get into a hyperspace and uh, we were just kind of like scrounging around going like hey guys is there anyone who would still like to go to a hyperspace now that you know the season's almost done so we're we were absolutely there to support our uh, community members and and a friend uh, to get out there and uh and play and he did fantastic took top eight so shout out to andy powers uh doing a great job bringing uh, a fantastic republic list to uh top tables and losing to uh, also a really great player calvin so shout out to both those guys there is no shame in losing to calvin <laughs> no no he's fan- he's he's a great guy uh, really enjoyable to play uh, what about you, Tim? What have you been flying this week? Uh, I didn't get out. Uh, it was my daughter's uh, two-year-old birthday on the weekend, last weekend. So what have you been flying lately, then? <laughs> um, well, I've had a little bit of everything. I've um, I've been practicing one of the lists that I want to do for the side events, which is uh, three Shadowport Hunters. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And they've all got feedback array and counter, uh, contraband cybernetics. There's show. There's some stuff like that. Um, I'm definitely going to bring... I'm definitely going to pack my... Uh, Republic list that I won the, my ticket with, which is two arcs, Obi Wan and uh, Arico Lier, and uh, I'm going to be very specific in the pronunciation of his last name to every American and laugh when they pronounce it wrong. <laughs> Repo really like tear up his name completely. It's a thing that happens. Uh, so, Wave Five was released, uh, and we've now seen it on the tables. What are your initial thoughts? Um, initial thoughts. 
Uh, I don't, you know, I mean, people are flipping the table on Sunfac and uh, the Nantex and such, and I get that they're really strong, and I know that Calvin was able to take dual Nantex and a Grievous to win the hyperspace. I don't think they are an unbeatable ship by far. I have flown them a little bit. They are pretty strong. I mean, the change in tractor uh, with ruling has really decreased that power like uh, tenfold. I mean, the, when I was talking, the most this parallel I can put it to right now is that when I was talking to uh, another gentleman about Armada, and I was asking him about the SSD, and uh, I was like, does this thing, is this good? Is it even worth bringing to the table? Because I was just, you know, just curious about other games. Like this, this shit looks awesome. Is it actually val uh, valid in the in the in the current game state? And the way that the TO had explained it was that on its own, you could totally tech against it. However, it's the fact that somebody could bring it that affects the whole game state in itself. And I really believe that the Nantex kind of sits in that spot. It's the fact that, you know what, you can create your list, you can respond to the meta, but you also have to remember that at the end of the day that there could be a Nantex swarm or a Nantex ace, a bunch of them out there. So when you play, you got to really consider that fact. So, you know, I, personally, it's uh, between vultures being able to land on rocks and Sunfac being able to, or sorry, <laughs> I say Sunfac, but he, he's kind of the, the boogeyman, right? I, but I'm Nantex in general are being able to put move you. And if you have rocks out there, or if there are rocks out there, and most Nantex players are going to be bringing rocks, then you're, you could, you could, be put on there, lose an entire turn of attacking, and be rolling some right attack attack dice to hurt yourself, and maybe do it twice if they put you through it twice, right? So the idea is that the boogeyman's out there. It's a, a new piece into the game, so you have to be where to respond to it. Is it game breaking? Is there, is it a game like oh my goodness? There's no point even playing because the Nantex exists. Not even a chance. It's still a fantastic piece to add to the game. It's just that you have to be aware that it's out there. So little pieces like I'll be bringing clouds. If uh, if you're gonna be bringing small bases, you know don't drag yourself. Don't let them drag you into rocks. Uh, like and don't have that engagement there. Like little b bits like that. But honestly, I think it's a fun piece and there's lots of elements about it that are interesting. Uh, the flip side, there is a level of complexity uh, with it. it. May not be so healthy for newer players uh, because you know there's a lot to take in with that piece. Uh, but that's essentially as I punch my chair next to me. Yeah, take that. Uh, that's a, that's my my take on the thing. And Republic Y wings are pretty cool. I haven't seen them really really strong yet, but uh, broadside uh, they're dead. Me. There's, yeah. there's two. There's there's one good one broadside. Match six and maybe, maybe. Hey, it's early. I don't know if I can say dead. Personally, I would like to pay. I would like to pay like a third of my list for for PS six, uh, Anakin Y wing. Mm -hmm. Really? You like the you like the Y wing Anakin? Uh, I'm gonna take him all the way, baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Tim. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know. It's early to say it's dead because a lot, a lot of the times. Okay, look how long it took for an inquisitor to even get into the game, right? And now look at them. Yeah, I just don't find that the the Y wings live long enough for me, like to be worth. Especially Anakin, like he's not, he doesn't live long enough to uh, really put in the damage of his points cost. In my experience, it's all about cracking that code. Once you crack it, you're good. 
What about you, Tim? Uh, I just think that if you if you ever came across something like a 1.0 Inquisitor for the first time, that was more of a boogeyman than Sun. I think he's just... It's like you said, the first couple of times you play it, it'll get the better of you if you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. If you find out what you need to do and practice that, you'll have a more even match. Yeah, I completely bring agree. Some trick, and bring some tricks of your own, by the way. Yeah. Every ship is beatable, pretty much. But is it more like the more experienced a player is, the more broken it is, and the, like more hopeless it is facing it? Or Let me ask you a question, Jared. Would you say that the A-Wing is the best ship in the game? Uh... The RZ-2 is the best dial, but not the best ship. Okay, well, in the hands of somebody like Kelvin, it could be a championship list because of how Kelvin uses an A-Wing. Right. The same applies to a Nantex for somebody who's good with a Nantex. The same applies to a Decimator for a person who's good with a Decimator. You have to find lists that you're good at playing and that you can survive the field with. If that's an Antex, then give her. Absolutely, yeah. If you came up against 1.0 defenders before they nerfed how evade worked, for example, you would say to yourself, this is not a game you can ever win. Andrew, did you ever defeat lists that contained three defenders? <sighs> not very often. That was ridi- like ridiculously difficult. It can be done. It, it, absolutely, it can. I mean, it, it's happened. Uh, there was lots... Uh, they, they were not always top tournament kind of list, right? There's things that were rising above it, so. Well, I think that, you know, for me personally, I I think to myself, well, people are afraid of Nantexes and what they can do, so what are they going to think? They're all bring something that's good against Nantex. I start worrying about that sometimes, but that's just, it's all pointless. You have to find a list that you have fun playing first. Second of all, you are okay with against the field and you feel confident with. And then you have to trust your dice and just go at it. Yeah. You can't go down the rabbit hole of like, uh, okay, well, I'm going to bring this because it responds to that. Oh, shoot, but now that somebody might bring that, this isn't, it'll this isn't, to this. This isn't Pokemon, <laughs> it's X-Wing. Yeah. You can't, you, you, can't, uh, you can't just go down and try to figure out, like, this is the list that responds to everything. There isn't. I mean, Republic does a really great job of coming up with some archetypes that respond to a lot and happen to hit some top tables as well. But, you know, um, I was sitting there with a first order list and I think actually in Canadian Nationals, top tables, a lot of people were like, "Ah, you know, first order is like, huh, whatever, you know, it's there. But up there, uh, we have what Jeff Asiri, we got Bohan Lee, we got myself, we have uh, there's another gentleman up there with uh, the five SFs. Um, Tim, you know his name, I bet. What, the one who had five SFs? Mm -hmm. Drew Edgar. True, there we go. Yeah. The last uh, minute champion. Oh, yes, true, exactly, right? Took spot 28. <laughs> <laughs> there, that'll go, there you go, buddy. Can't wait to see you out there. Yeah, so, like, all these, uh, like, these are the, the four top first, uh, these four first order lists where people weren't really expecting them. All on the top tables of the Canadian Nationals and actually respond and like taking a lot of things out, responding to it. They can't possibly come f- figure it all out. Like Inquisitors and Jenin at that one at the tournament where they kind of broke through with uh, Matthew Carey flying them. Like, n- nobody, somebody looking at that from the across the board would probably be like, haha, all right, easy match, here we go. And then next thing they know, they're just eating it. They're like, oh, geez. Well, the, 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 the sitting German-European champion played three Inquisitors. Yeah, well, there you go. Andrew, I can't, I can't wait for you to get the opportunity, Andrew, to play some players from other countries. Really, uh, It's really a fun time. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to meet all these people and, and play against them. Also see, like, new faces and old faces. So, Coruscant, uh, Kelvin and I got paired up against 
two gents from France. And about two turns into the game, um, they start asking each other questions in French. And it was all completely fair and honest stuff. It was like, you know, how many tokens does that one have? Like, you know, can you tell me, has that one got damage on it? Like, just fair stuff. After about a minute or two, they look up at me and I said, and they were like, oh my God, you speak French. And we're like, well, yeah, we're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were on to you. I, it's so much fun when you can sit across the table. I like I even at Canadian Nationals, there was a few players that uh, from uh, Quebec, and they had uh, uh, like Charles. Like I had spoken with him over on the uh, with Millennium Condor with uh, Bruno and such. And I was like, he's like, it's me, it's me, Andrew. <laughs> I was on the on the uh, the thing with you. I'm like, oh, it's so awesome to see you, dude. You're going down. <laughs> <laughs> he was top four with me at the Ottawa tournament. Oh, he's such a great he was, guy. He was flying uh, first order that day as well. He's a good player too. Now, do you think with the Nantex that we're going to see more large bases or more swarms, or do you think that aces are still going to be uh, like the the bread and butter of the top tables? I think that any Nantex is very sad to see a snapshot Ketsu, <laughs> or uh, or yeah. a, or a Han Solo, or any. Ray or, or any kind of big base ship, but the fact that Sunfa can easily be built into a squad that comes with a bunch of vultures also means that the big base ship has a, a huge challenge. Do you you let Sunfa dance behind the back of the formation and lure you into all of the little pea shooters that will eat you to death? Um, it's going to be a positioning game against a piece like that. It's just like it was a positioning game against one point of Suntir, like. Try catching him when he doesn't want to get shot at. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I'm happy that that exists because there's just another reason. Like the concept of Nantex existing boosts the power of large ship based bases by a lot. Right? Again, just moves the game around, opens up spots for things to come into the game which were not as valid before. Like, I, if I'm an Antex player, I really do not want to see a boosting I-6 Millennium Falcon across from the table from me. Uh, God forbid I get caught, and I can't move him, and I can't tractor him, I can't do anything, and my vulture babies will, just they can pound. very easily die. I do love that tractor means that, they, that medium bases need two tractor tokens to lose an agility now. I think that really levels the playing field for the... The mechanics of how the Nantex works, but you know, at the same time, you have to say to yourself, "What else is going to be out there?" Like that's one tool, but there's people who have been playing pal bases for, you know, however long 2.0's been out, and they're going to stick with that mm-hmm. because you can still snipe an Nantex. They're not double tokened. Yeah, they're not able to bank boost. Now with the Nantex, we had the Nantex rules reference repair and there's a few changes that came with that the first change is the ability queue and they now have it it says if an ability's requirements are not met it cannot be added to the queue for example at the start of engagement phase if a ship has an ability that requires it to be tractored but that ship is not tractored that ability cannot be added to the queue the ship cannot add the ability to the queue even if another ability also added to the queue at the start of the engagement phase would cause that ship to be tractored on its resolution. And then it says, if a ship would be removed while there are one or more abilities in the queue, do not remove the ship until there are no abilities in the queue. 
So a lot of text there. Uh, Tim, would you mind breaking down what that means? Well, you know what? I, when I read it, I, I thought as what does you guys do when you read it for the first time? So what I did was I honestly just took time and checked the PDF out read a couple of the examples in the appendix. Uh, I could read one of those now if you'd like, Jared. Absolutely. Um, let's use example two. So the rebel player Rachel is flying Chopper in the VCX-100 and Kyle Katarn in a Hawk. Sam, the scum player, is flying an old T with static discharge veins. At the start of the engagement phase, Chopper, Kyle Katarn, and old T all have abilities that trigger. Chopper's ability is at the start of the engagement phase. Each player at range zero gains two jam tokens. Since Rachel is the first player, she will resolve Chopper's ability first. So then you do other ships that have abilities if you're player one. So Chopper goes, then Kyle Gatarn goes, and then player two goes, old Turok, um, or Maul, if you believe the canon. Rachel uses Chopper's ability, and old Turok gains two jam tokens. The static discharge vein's ability, if you would gain an ion or jam token, you may choose a ship at 0 to 1. If you do gain a stress token and transfer one of those ion or jam tokens to that ship, now this is a replacement effect. It means it happens immediately. Yeah. Sam chooses for old Terok to gain a stress token, and he transfers one of his jam tokens to Kyle. Since Kyle has two focus tokens, the jam token removes one of them. Rachel chooses to use Kyle's ability to transfer the remaining focus token to Chopper. Old Terok's ability at the start of the engagement phase, you can choose an enemy ship at range 1 in your firing arc, and it removes all of its green tokens if it has you in its firing arc. Um, sorry, you just have to be in its firing arc. I read that wrong. Although Old T is in the firing arc of both enemy ships, Chopper is at range 0. And Kyle does not have any green tokens. So Old T has no effect. Old T is one of the ships that I think really gets affected by the ability queue more than others because yep. of the time. Paylob is another uh, example. Um, it's like the start of engagement ones are getting hit the worst, right? And another yeah. another one that I um, or the end of the the end of the activation phase people as well. Yeah, one yep. that I uh, I get hit with real bad with this is uh, my Ketsuguri list. Because a lot of times I would get to range two with Guri, take a target lock, get to range one with Ketsu, and then track her at start of engagement into range one of Guri, and then Guri would get her focused. Guri no longer gets that focus, because at start of engagement, you can't add her ability into the queue. Mm-hmm. Even though... Which means it can't get resolved. It means it can't get resolved. The other one was people, uh, also with Ketsu, people with Ketsu old Terok, they would track her with Ketsu into somebody else's, into, Ketsu, into Terok's... Uh, front arc, or they would tractor Terok to get up into their front arc to remove tokens. Can't do that anymore. So, Jared, let's use an example of somebody who like flies a Suntir, for example. Yeah. And you've, you're playing a Suntir against an Antex, and you're dancing at range three, and you put yourself in a position where you know if that Nantex barrel rolls itself, that you're going to get a bullseye and a free focus token. The beautiful thing is that because most of the Nantexes, if I'm not mistaken, they resolve at the end of the activation phase, yep. Suntir will still get his focus token if a, if a Nantex barrel rolls into the bullseye. Yep, that's exactly how it would work. Unless the Nantex is the first player and can ensnare Suntir. Out of bullseye. Out of bullseye. 
because you're still in the same phase. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the abilities and, and upgrades that trigger at the beginning of any or end of the phases is definitely something that's going to be affected. Things that occur, you know, while you perform an attack, that is when things are going to get really sticky-icky with judge calls and stuff, because people aren't going to really have experience with some of the ways that these enter thing. But you have to think of it in the same sort of reference. Yeah. At the start of the engagement phase, great. Well, you perform an attack after you perform an attack. So, you know, with this type of change to the foundation, it's a good idea to go back to the rules reference and specifically read things like, how many phases are there in an attack? Yeah. You know, like, you think, well, when I attack, I just roll dice. Well, you do. Yeah, it's one of the steps. But, you know, there's significant other things that, that offer opportunities for upgrades and abilities to resolve. So you just have to be conscious of what gets added to the ability queue and what can get resolved as a result. Yeah. I think it's a great change to the game, to be honest. I mean, I I may be devil's advocate here, but I think it uh, clears up a lot of things. It uh, puts a little more... It takes a little complexity out of it. Adds some at some times, but it takes a little bit out of sometimes because it's the comboing, right? If we take some of the comboing out, uh, it does make it a little easier to understand. Uh, and then... It, it, I mean, and then it could, it's a good future proofing too, because comboing is really dangerous, right? If you provide too many too many opportunities to combo in the game, then you are playing with a dangerous thing. Eventually, down the line, you could you could have a real hard time in providing like new elements to the game if there's always the scare of something comboing because you can choose your engagement phase things to go off at different times you know the uh, the, the tractor to then be at range one to then trigger said and next thing um but it being the way it is right now it's like can Ed, can this thing do what it, it can do right now no okay perfect moving on can this thing do what it can do right now all right no perfect moving on and so on and so forth so I think it's I think it's a healthy change, and I think it's pretty clear for the most part. It's pretty understanding as to what is like how it works. Well, I, so. I agree with you, Andrew. You know, at the beginning at the beginning of the reference under the ability queue, there's two bits of red text. It's, the first one applies to phase changes, like when you when how the ability queue operates in any specific timing window of a phase, and then the other bullet is the one how it affects attacking. There's one big fundamental thing, which is if you have an ability in the ability queue and during the resolution of the ability queue, you are destroyed if you would be removed. If you still have one or more abilities in the queue, you don't remove your ship until those abilities are um, resolved. So that becomes incredibly relevant for things like a list that has Howlrunner with Cascading Swarm Tactics or a list that has Bigs or a list that has Seer or anything like that, right? 100%. Well, and that goes along with the whole don't remove a ship until the end of that initiative step, right? Which is something that that courteously is is often omitted in casual play, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those, like, golf etiquette things, like, don't walk on my putting line, man. Yeah, exactly. Quite often in a casual game, you're like, nah, dude, he's dead, he's gone, fine, let me throw him across the room. Uh, Exactly. But then competitive play, you're like, no, no, hold on, you know, there's a a lot of things I have to resolve here, right? No. Uh, I... I think it's a good change to the game. I think it's people who are having a harder time with it are, I think, making it more complex than it needs to be. 
uh, and if there's one th- if there's one piece of advice that I can give new players who are wondering about you know what's the biggest difference between playing casually and getting to competitive, I can say you have to read the attack section because in casual play the order of the attack phase often gets mixed up. First, you have to declare your target, then you have to measure range, and then you have to choose your weapon, and then you declare a defender. It doesn't sound like a lot of difference, but those different types of things can offer different types of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting to change your mind afterwards, sometimes you know it can make the difference between whether a ship lives or doesn't live in a, in a turn. And when you've you know been playing four rounds, seven rounds, whatever, it's uh, the cost gets incremental. That's a good point for anyone going to worlds. It's never it never hurts to play out the. Uh, the phases, uh, you know, it, just for like, if just for a little extra practice, play, play them out. You don't want to be caught at like a world's level event, a premier level event at that uh, stage, and make a mistake in the order of operations or something, and that being the reason why you lost the game. It's a competitive event. It's a it's to announce the world champion. Um, the person who is going to win it is going to be the person who knows how to how the game functions inside. And out. I think that goes too with not missing. Like, you sh- don't be afraid to to say your triggers, even if it means nothing. For instance, if you're flying a a phantom and you have juke on it, and you roll one hit, and the defender rolls three evades, you can still say the juke so that when it matters, you're still saying juke every time, right? Like, don't don't skip your trigger just because, oh, well, it doesn't matter because you don't want to skip it when it does. Except just remember that anytime somebody says juke to me, I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> I pull out a little juke gun and I fire it from my, my from my holster. Like, juke. Bam. Well, when you don't obey the rules, you get penalty points. Jared, ask Andrew how many penalty points he got at the last hyperspace draw. Uh-oh. How many penalty points did you get there, Andrew? It was rough. It was a lot of a lot of penalty points. What was it like? Sixteen by the end of the something day. Something like something like that. I couldn't even give a compliment without getting one. Penalty point. Jeff Assiri was handing them out to Andrew like. Andrew. <laughs> I don't understand. I thought he was my friend. <laughs> Shout out first to Jeff Assiri doing a great job of running that uh, running that thing, especially through some technical difficulties. Such a chillax dude, uh, and he's. Uh, he, he's coming with us too. He's on World's Bus, right? He's off that way. Uh, Jeff really did want to come. Uh, Jeff is a professional electrician, and um, the week that Worlds is, somebody else snagged the vacation time. He, he can't be on the vacation days at the same time as one of the other people at work. Oh, um, darn. Do we his... have an address, a name, a uh, SIN number? Do we have? <laughs> there, we have means. We have means. Um, no, he <laughs> is the second best um, X Wing player in the country for another year. His ticket is good for Worlds 2022. Fantastic. 2020 as well. Well, then I'll see you next year there, bud. Uh, so there's a couple more changes, uh, just to run through them real quick. One is an ionized ship cannot perform any actions except the uh, focus action. I'm happy that they fixed ion. It's it's thematic and, and proper. It's a control piece, and if you give the ability like you do with the Nantex, you have to be able to give other factions a technique or level playing field mechanic. And I think that, you know, ionizing big base ships is super fun. Um, at Coruscant last year, my Sunny Bounder with an ion cannon, he ionized two Vaders 
in six games. Oh wow! So those were those were sad pandas. It just takes a lucky it just takes a lucky shot, and oh snap! I can't do anything in my supernatural barrel roll, and then I have to. Focus. Oh. I don't have a single problem with it. Like like Tim was saying, it's uh, it, it also speaks to thematic. Well, like the ship's ionized. No matter how much another ship would like to will your ship to do more than what it's capable of, you're ionized. You're floating through space. That's it. You're done. <laughs> Perfect. And it, it's a great boost to my Kestel, my true ace, in the, in the making. Just wait till I pull him out. The next one is of that makes note of note is strain. After a strain ship applies the effect to roll one fewer defense die, then it removes one strain token. Where before it was what a strain ship defends. After it defends, you remove the token. So this now is a direct counter to Finn, uh, who was defending while defending, taking a strain to add a die, and then saying, okay, I, I've defended now, and the strain is gone, and never rolled less defense dice. So now he has to roll less defense dice in future. Yep. He's still good. Still worth the points. I mean, people are like, oh, he's he's not worth taking anymore. No, he's still great. He's t- easy, pro- easy problem, easy fix. But they still haven't fixed how Crassus Trellix works with the outmaneuver. <laughs> Yeah, they'll get there. I mean, I mean, it must be so. It must be kind of rough sometimes when they're like, "Here, our new wholesome, wonderful idea we've added to the game. What are they doing with it? Oh God, what have they done?" The next big one is the tractor, and and uh, Andrew mentioned this earlier, but they now have it that a ship becomes tractored. Uh, the first time, sorry, a ship becomes tractored each round. Then the player whose effect applied the tractor may choose uh, to barrel roll or boost using this one straight maneuver template. So you cannot tractor, remove the token through some effect, and retractor and then like move again. And then the second part of tractor was when a tractored ship defends, it rolls one fewer defense die. And that has an effect for the medium and large base ships who only become tractored if they have uh, the proper number of tractor tokens. So if uh, one of the Nantex puts a tractor token on a medium or large base ship, they are not rolling less defense dice. Yep. Seems good. Seems thematic. I, I mean, <laughs> one little ship comes along and like touches a giant ship and you're like, haha, you're tractored. It shouldn't be like yep. that. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Jared. Was I mistaken, or did you say that the tractor was like the biggest change? Because I think we can all agree that the biggest change is that devices are not called high load. Like that's a that's, huge, oh, so huge, mind bending, so, so game breaking. I'm so abusive. Yeah, there was a few other things in the in the rules reference that were changes, uh, but those I, those were the big the big game changing ones. Also, shout out to Rathos for updating his uh, his app, uh, yet another Squad Builder 2.0, with the payload thing, and just being like, really, FFG, fine, sure, I'll update it and change the word, and and it's beating in it be completed faster than the official uh, app. <laughs> um, also, by the way, another Squad Builder, you can totally donate now to Rathos. <laughs> And I know he's been very modest about it, but the guy works really totally hard. Deserves, yeah, he, he he's created a great product. Yeah, so I mean, I can't. Uh, I'll be donating to him I, for sure. I so. don't. 
I don't remember who said it, but someone said that when the last points came out, it was like five minutes later and Rathos was like, I'm sorry, they're not up yet. It's like, dude, it's okay. Half of us didn't even realize they were out. I mean, he's hidden the donation, but uh, part of the fun of it is apparently finding it. Um, Hint, hint, about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so well, I can uh, I can share with your listeners, Jared and Andrew, that as of this morning, um, Stevie is unquestionably joining us. That's fantastic. Flying the Canada flag as well. So speaking of Killer Poe players, yeah, uh, oh, Jared God, yeah. and I were talking about that earlier. Look out for Rethos. He's uh, he's going to be there. He's coming. Absolutely, doing a great job. All right, so man, we're getting along. There's a lot to go through today, but. The main thing that we wanted to talk about, the reason we brought on Tim, was to talk about the bus, the party bus, down to Worlds. Oh, I thought it was to bring on talk about alcohol. When do we talk about alcohol? <laughs> I think you have the wrong <laughs> podcast right now there. Uh, Shoot. Damn. Andrew. Oh, I was wrong. Uh, Andrew, I talk, I talk about alcohol all day. Can we talk about something else? Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. There's plenty of uh, raiding parties led by GRX, Salt Squadron, um the Millennium Condors, and all Canadian clubs. Everybody goes down. Um, I know that the governor of Michigan didn't get re-elected again this year, um, and that the states have recaptured Lower Canada, um, that being upstate New York and Michigan. But, um, you know, next year is a whole new year. Uh, so you you took a big part in uh, organizing the party bus for this year. Uh, why don't you? Uh, why don't you? Uh, what do you want to? Is there anything you want to talk about about the party bus? Well, mainly um, thanks to the other guys who helped organize it, um, Devo and Scotty and Tristan. Um, it's not a, a bus. Let's just clarify that. Um, half the thirty of us are flying, and the other half are going on a land uh, convoy. What we're calling the Houndstooth, which is an RV, and, aka uh, the party be- bus. Yeah, sure. And there would be a Nash Tag pup as well, tailing. Have you announced, uh, like, who is going to be Dengar? Who's Forlom? <laughs> who, who's Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> uh, no. Um, I'm still thinking about calling uh, calling you... Oh, what am I get you? Maybe I'll pick one of the IGs for you. Sweet. I'm flying down. I'm not even on the thing, but that's fine. Well, that's what I mean. Like, you know, the IGs are always just there. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, there's uh, there's really great representation from all across Canada. There's four provinces of clubs uh, coming. Uh, now you have the convoy that's going down, and they're mostly Ontario people. Yes. But then we also have people coming from what other what other provinces are all getting together for this uh, the, the party house, the Canada house. Well, let me start with notre ami de la belle province qui vient de uh, Montréal et la ville de Québec. Um, they're going to be coming down flying over there and then we've got account four clubs from ontario dagobah dogs ptl grx 519 and then we've got representation from the x-wing junkies coming from manitoba which i'm told is a real place but you know jury's out on that one huh. um, has it. and then we're also lucky enough to be joined by the seat sky podcast uh, guys from uh, vancouver so that is four provinces that are going to be represented down at Worlds. yes and if and if any members of the Blizzard Squadron are listening, they may not be staying with us, but we gotta we gotta find some way to get that fifth province together, guys. I just love the fact that we're all going to be together. This is gonna be fantastic. Like, I don't know, I'm getting a little giddy about it. Whatever, I'll be a little schoolboy about it, but I'm just so happy that it's gonna be a good time. Gonna, yeah, beyond yeah, beyond it all, beyond like play, competing at a, at uh, Worlds, it's going to be like a, just a great 
Canada hangout with some awesome people, which is just so cool. I know you get to meet some players from all over the world that are pretty cool too. The Dutch players are pretty cool. Um, you know, there's lots of good players from, from the U.S. And uh, the Englishmen are great. Just don't go drinking with them because you'll end up dead um, <laughs> or, in, or, or in a dumpster somewhere. Uh, I think the 187 guys are, or the 186 guys, I should say, are bringing like, I think they're bringing like 30 guys as well. I think they're all flying over. Yeah, I heard there's a pretty like good that. contingent of them going. Yeah. The real question is how many Canadian flags will be will we be draping from that Canada house to really be like spook the Americans that we're just like kind of moving in for a little bit the crazy Canadians setting up a shop um, yeah there'll be plenty of plenty of opportunity to, uh, to to fly our colors and have some fun can can we spray paint the grass red and white can we do it I'm gonna say no on that one because it's an Airbnb and it's my credit card so. <laughs> okay so we may or may not be able to spray paint the grass red and white. No, you know what, Jared? When it comes to the when it comes to the trip, I hope that lots of the members of the trip are listening because I spoke about this with the bridge officers last week when we were talking about planning, and we have no qualms at all about leaving some um, dimwit on the side of the road and saying you got to Uber back to Canada, man. You're you're you're, you're too much of an idiot. Huh. We'll all be on we'll all be on our best behavior as Canadians usually are. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I mean, before we were spray painting lots, we'd definitely be apologizing well beforehand. Anyhow, sorry. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. I to... Oh, was that your ship? I'm sorry. I, uh, I do stand-up comedy, and I was doing stand-up with a, a American comic who came up to Canada, and he wanted to test how much Canadians say sorry. So when we went into uh, Tim Hortons, he went and physically bumped the person in front of him, and they turned around and said sorry, and he was just like, "It's true, the rumors are true." <laughs> it's true. It sounds like a fun Canadian drinking game. <laughs> now, so I, I have a fun Canadian drinking game that I want to play as a side event with Andrew at two o'clock in the morning. Okay. On one of the days that we're there, and it's any time you have a turn where your Kylo does not shoot, you have to shoot a shot. Oh, oh geez, I'm going to be so drunk. He won't last too long. <laughs> I will not. Uh, talk about side events. FFG released the side event schedule for mm-hmm. Worlds. Um, these include the Hangar Bay Pods, which are a common thing, I believe. Great way to win some prize tickets. There will also be a extended side event with five Swiss paired rounds. And then there are there is a four-player Aces High free-for-all event. Um, this one is one that I think sounds cool. Uh, each player brings one ship with a squad limit of 80 points. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, you're you're going in a free-for-all. It's 105 minutes with all four of you. Last man standing wins. Yeah, and you, yeah, you get points so based on what... Fen Rao with Proton Torpedoes. Will die. <laughs> he'll be he'll be the fourth player because he'll get one guy, get one really good shot, and then be dead. Yep, pretty much. Uh, we played a nine-person a nine furball recently, and uh, Lieutenant Zuvio was actually the one that won. Well, you guys can dig into the archives of VWTV Live from one of the PTL Opens. There's We, we casted one of the games of furball, and it was just outstanding. Like, there were there were quad jumpers and Kirax fighters and X-Wings, and it was just awesome. Uh, there's The next event is seems to be kind of controversial among uh, the, the, the people I've heard from and that's the extended countdown tournament which will have a chess timer 
with 40 minutes per player. So I'm very happy that you, you framed this topic because for anybody who doesn't know, Andrew and I both love the game of chess. Have oh, for most of our lives. <laughs> yes. And when you take something like a chess timer and add it to something like X-Wing, somebody like Kelvin will flourish because he's already used to playing at a good clip. Yep. It punishes people who can't play at a good clip. But what it's trying to do is, is provide a format where you can practice that. Like if you want to learn to reduce the amount of time, improve your, your decision-making processes, sometimes you just have to pick an option and go with it instead of deliberating all over of all the permutations of the outcome. You just have to pick something and go with it. I'm really excited to try. I hope I have time for it. I mean, like between our group that I'm hopefully not going to have to babysit and uh, and hopefully getting some time in with uh, with Coach and Grasser and, and Russell and some of the other guys that I usually see at these kinds of tournaments. Um, yeah, hopefully there'll be, uh, there'll be time for it. I just want to note that and a lot of people are look, looking at some of these side events and being like, oh, you know what, this is how I break the side event. And so be it. If that's what you want to do, you want to bring something to try to, to break the, the, the thing of it, go right in. But I think you're probably going to enjoy the side events more, anybody attending them, if you, you play within the fun of what the side event is, uh, contrary to just trying to break it, trying to break it. Uh, so I know personally, I won't be bringing anything uh, to try to break those events. I'm going to be playing them wholesomely and trying to have some fun with them, uh, have a good time, right? Um, it, if you go to break them, so be it. But I think I think we're missing the point at the end of the day that this is a game, and uh, it's uh, it's for fun, and there's lots of enjoyable elements about it. And we should probably, for the most part, leave the the most com competitive stuff to the premier uh, event, and uh, and enjoy the side events. Well, you know, uh, Andrew, you're right that the competitive stuff in the in the main event will be very, you know, everybody will be giving their A game. But think about it from an opportunity perspective. Here are the developers of the game that we love that that have invited us to where their offices are, or the city at least where they're, you know, around. And their perspective is who better to try out our new ideas and our new formats and our new things than these people who are the best players in the world mm -hmm. from all over the world from, I hope, which is more countries this year than, than we had last year. Yeah. Who, who better to tell them whether or not these formats are fun than, than us? What I uh, think about this particular side event is... Uh, I'm finding there's a lot of, like, with the controversy, controversy. Um, there's a lot of people that are naysaying this idea. Okay, I'm, I'm out of the loop on the controversy. Uh, a lot of people are just, they're upset about the, the chess timer thing because the chess timer... Don't play that. Uh, they're saying it punishes people who bring lots of ships, and the way to beat it, the way to win it is to bring Super Anakin, load it out, and just run him and make your decisions super fast so that your opponent will run out of time first and you win the game just by the fact of they take more time than you do with your one ship. My thing is, like, this format is something that a lot of podcasters were talking about six, eight, nine months ago about needing because games are going... So many games go to time and maybe we should add a, a chess clock and it's like now they're doing exactly what you guys asked for and you're getting upset about it 
I don't know if they were upset about it. I mean, I think they were just expressing that there are easy ways to uh, to break it. I mean, the the core element of it is to okay, people kind of drag out the game sometimes. What happens if we put in an element where they have to time themselves and get moving in the game? Um, where uh, the abuse of that is the fact that you can you can bring like a super Anakin and like a torrent and you fly the torrent is the example yeah. right you fly the torrent off the table and then you just bring the Anakin and you fly, fly it around all game not looking for engagements or looking for the niche moments where you shoot stuff and then you just win right because you're one ship Andrew how much easier is it to get the right pawn configuration when you don't have a chess clock going oh god if you yeah, if you if you don't have a chess clock going, like you can definitely figure it out, and, and that's the thing. I actually almost think about bringing a five ship list to that chess clock thing, and just being like, okay, go ahead, fly your one ship. Good luck dodging the five SFs. Yeah, exactly. You better make quick decisions because a bunch of money, I can move five SFs and throw down a bunch of to- focus tokens pretty damn quickly. Yeah. Now the last. Uh, the last side event that they've announced is the epic battles. It's a 2v2, so you, you players register as a team, build an 800-point squad using the same faction, and then you play two 180-minute randomly paired uh, rounds using the scenarios. An epic team battle or the cover the evacuation epic battle. Well, That's crazy. Tristan, uh, <laughs> Tristan's the organizer for the GRX League. And him and I are going to be doing the epic stuff. That's awesome. I like that's just so cool. <laughs> I love some of the casual stuff, which just um, at the end of the day, we have to have casual things that are uh, you know boosting this game because it keeps the game alive. Durham, uh, Durham, Tristan, so cool. Tristan, and I have no problem being casual when we play. We were in a system open, and the judge had to come over and sit and watch us the whole time because we were so rowdy. <laughs> love it so good I mean I think he was just there for the dad jokes but you know that's neither here nor there now uh, quickly Tim I want to know your predictions for worlds uh, what do you think are going to be the top factions or top archetypes or pilots I mean my my, my crystal ball sees uh, Andrew Derman versus Tim Ralph's final that's that's what I'm saying it's fair yeah it's may, the, may the best man win I'll probably lose by a few points. <laughs> no, one point. Goes. You only so ever lose to me by like one point. Yeah, it hurts every single time. Ditto. It pains me. I think you're like the only PT. I think you're the only PTL guy that I have a face that I haven't actually ever beat. I still haven't dabbed you on my bingo card. I think the only Dagobah dog I haven't beaten ever is still Adam. <sighs> so good. He's right? good. Yeah, like he he plays off like, oh yeah, you know, just having a little fun. Uh, just came up with this little thing last night. Uh, I hope uh, hope it'll be all right. So funny story at the <laughs> end at the end of 1.0, the last Canadian Nationals, Kelvin had been ready to take a break from the game because of the end of 1.0 and the state of it. And then he comes back for Nationals and like round two or something, he plays Adam, and Adam had that disgusting <laughs> quick draw build. Yeah, and, and Kelvin's like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I remember that one. He's like, okay, so I shoot. Yes, okay. But because I missed, I get this. Uh-huh. And this guy shot, yeah. And he missed, so he gets this. Oh, no, this guy hit. I didn't want him to hit. He, and he needed to miss so he could get this. Okay, now it's time to attack. Okay, now because I have all my tokens, now I'm going to shoot all of this at you. Like, what in the hell is going on? Please just make it stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Adam, for uh, breaking the game so subtly. <laughs> uh, 
So one of the things that I want to talk about is the Epic Play. Woot. They just released two different articles about Epic. They talked about the conversion kits, and they talked about the CR90. Dodonna's pride, baby. Now, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with Epic. How about you? Yeah, no, I, um, I've been a big fan of the format. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the same effort level of playing two PTL league matches in like a Tuesday evening. You, sh- you know, you put in the same amount of time and you just get one two v two. I remember um, Joe Silva, Perry, and, and Evan. It was a great season because Perry and Evan had been um, well matched rivals for months. And they got teamed up on an Epic team versus Joe and I. The hardest part about Epic 1.0 was not flying your huge ship off the map. Yeah. Because a lot of people would start it horizontal to the board edge, moving laterally, not realizing that your ass would swing around when you tried to turn into the map and you'd fly off the map. Yeah, they definitely move a lot different from a standard X-Wing ship. Uh, a standard like medium large small base ship does um, and that that tail swing get would get me into a lot of trouble flying against them when i did play because i wouldn't realize how far that would swing out so the guy would be turning away from me and then would still clip me well if i just look at some of the design things that they've done with what they've released like seeing the sketches of the arcs on the tantive or thinking about you know what a CR90 or an Imperial Raider can do with uh, the current available 2.0 you know sets and you think about the fact that you can take vessels like the Sea Rock Cruiser the Rebel Transport and the Tantive and you can make a CR90 for three different factions right it's it's just a question of the technology available on the model at that time in the anthology of Star Wars yeah which i, I like could be I like that option that they have, giving these, uh, letting you use these old models for some of the new factions that didn't exist in 1.0, so that these new factions can participate in this right away. Well, I mean, you think about the the the, the availability of what there's out there to go along with a huge ship, or. So in 1.0, an epic game, you could play uh, 300 points, you could play 200 points, or, or 400 points. Yeah. And that was in the scale of 1.0, where a regular dogfighting list is only 100 points. So right. if we extrapolate that in 2.0 terms, to assume that even you've got 300 points is reasonable. And think about what you can do with 100 more points in, in oh. a 2.0 list build. I mean, that's like a super Anakin. Sure, you're absolutely right. Or, you know, a, a 580-point a Vader. But then you are one three-die attack running yeah. around a very big playground yeah. with some bigger kids on the play yard. Yeah. So you better make dang sure that those red dice hit and that your green dice hold true, or you're just going to be a very expensive pinata. Now, I like some of the design space that they've gone with uh, the Epic. Like, I like the way that they now have the counters for your energy and shields rather than trying to, like, keep track of it by... Like counting tokens. How, how many tokens do I have right now? Do I have do I have nine to, like sh- energy tokens right now and have to count them all the time? I really like that they did that. I think that's really uh, was a good move. Well, I mean, I, I don't know anything, but I can hope that 
credit is due to the Armada team that gave a bit of input on that one. There's lots of counting mechanisms like that in some of the other FFG games. Yeah. Legion, uh, Destiny, that kind of thing. Yeah, so they've got these things that they're pulling from their other games and their experience now with uh, multiple Star Wars games that they have out there. What are you most looking forward to about Epic? Finding out what my new Rock 90 pilots do. It looks to me like there's, like, is there multiple pilots? I don't even care. I hope there are, but, like, at the end of the day, I'm crossing my fingers that one of the Rock pilots is a generic because then Drea works in Epic. Oh. <laughs> now, from what I'm supposing, and I, I could be wrong, but it looks to me like the ships each have, like, like the pilot card are all generic. And I could be wrong on that. But then there are different captains that you can have. Well, Epic ships are just like dogfighting ships. They have different types of upgrades and equipments available. The difference is, is that there's an introduction of an entirely new upgrade group. There's probably, well, from what we can see, just from the icons of some of the pilot, uh, sorry, uh, the title cards for the Rock 90, there's yep. things like um, you can equip gunners to Epic uh, ships. You can, there's teams and cargo and um, probably hard points. So different types of secondary and tertiary. Yeah weapons that might do less damage than your primary big go boom gun but they can offer you know area denial and things like can an epic game is all about controlling space because you do have fast ships that can get around the board quickly and you're a big slow target and if they get behind you it's very hard to get, come about and get them yeah but what i what i'm seeing is that each ship has like each faction for the cr90 the cr90 has the two factions the galactic republic and the uh, rebels and each of those and factions. don't forget the resistance. I'm sure that they'll probably offer. I mean, there's CR90s in well, right now, in that area, right? Right now, they've only got the two listed. Yeah. Well, um, I and, think it's fair to say that you know, if you got something like Scum that can span the whole anthology, yeah, um, it, thematically it should probably work. It will, unless they, you know, the design space for the First Order and the Resistance is probably a lot bigger than the. Republic or the Empire or the Rebels. Who knows? Maybe they're just going to design some new uh, Republic and um, First Order ships for for that space. Like, who knows? The world is their oyster in that design space, right? Um, But so, for what I'm seeing is that, like, so they've told us that there's each ship has two factions. So for for the CR90, which we have the spread for in that article, there is the Rebel ship card and a Republic ship card, but you can put a different captain in the car on the ship, but that doesn't change the name of the ship. So I don't know how that's going to work with things like things like Drea, where they're all, therefore, generic. Yeah, the question will be, if the captain is a, is a limited card, does the ship then become limited? Yeah. I don't know yeah, too that? much about it, but I'm actually like super excited about Epic. So excited that I'm looking to purchase uh, ships outside of my faction and never use it just so they can sit on uh, a wall, a stand somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I'll lend them out. <laughs> we got 26 people to choose from. Durham, who's your Epic partner for Worlds? Um, you're, not pl- you're not playing on Wednesday. It's the LCQ. Are you going to do the Epic? I Well, I roll in late on the Wednesday. So I don't think I'll actually have the opportunity because it's only on the Wednesday that Epic is actually happening, right? Yeah, FFG actually said that after Wednesday, you can't play Epic ever again. That's fair. That's fair. 
Good, good ruling there FFG. Won't, there, won't be any, there won't be any tables. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Uh, I, I, they, they've done some extreme ruling in the past, so I'm just used to it. So <laughs> I roll with the punches now. <laughs> Actually, FFG has taught me how to be more flexible in my life, so when something extremely crazy happens, it's okay. It's just fine. X-Wing definitely teaches you patience. Oh, God, yeah. In the face of defeat. <laughs> and victory. Mm-hmm. Temperance. Other things. My wife has told me that I, that I am dumb lucky and that I uh, never learn from my mistakes because uh, for whatever reason my dumb luck pulls me through. So, <laughs> uh, FFG is just kind of—I mean, X-wing has kind of compounded that for me. So I'm just—I'm <laughs> so thankful for X-wing for teaching me all the good life morals. So it's going to be a long cast today, but our last section that we try to do always is a skills clinic, quote unquote section where we try and talk about some skill and uh when i went up to ottawa two weeks ago for the hyperspace trial up there um, i faced a lot of swarms there was swarms everywhere that day and that is a skill in and of itself flying against swarms so how do you guys fly against swarms let's start with andrew uh i don't fly on I take time. Uh, swarm has to move basically at a two speed. So you just let them, you wait, wait, wait. You let them choose. And as soon as they choose, then you hit on the side arcs. And uh, and I mean, the, the hope is that, you know, there are some random choices during the game. It's like, do I go left or do I go right? Is he completely arc dodging me that way or am I arc dodging? So if the swarm chooses right, you know, so, sometimes you you lose it. Um, but you know, uh, hopefully the other uh, other aces you pull it out. Now that's in the essence out of flying an ace list. If you're flying a, a swarm on swarm, uh, maybe it's just like an honorable joust. If it's a medium, if it's like a beefy medium kind of sh- uh, ship build. Um, you hope that you can uh, you can tank it. I mean, kind of you can put on different arcs as well, and uh, you hope you can tank it, and then you go on in. I think that's pretty well the the go-to for uh, flying against swarms. I mean, now the vultures with struts uh, does throw it off a little bit. You have to do you have to consider about where they're going. They can be where they can land, and how that's not how rocks are not going to get in their way. But um, I think don't bring rocks right now. I think the fluffy little uh, space pillows are a great uh, response to the current meta. So that and uh, yeah, uh, still really hard to shoot a, a ship with force and range two to three uh, with three green dice. So CLT and force uh, aces, uh, they shall reign. How about you, Tim? I throw bombs at them. Oh, true. <laughs> I don't usually get bombs. <laughs> Lots and lots of bombs, or one electro proton bomb. It's a special kind of pain that thing dishes out. A lot of what Andrew said is right on the money. You know, I mean, Andrew's got that added edge of just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to joust your swarm, sacrifice a goat, and just come out alive because that's what happens when he flies at swarms. <laughs> the goat meta is real. <laughs> if you don't roll four <laughs> dice, you have no math chance of hitting it. <laughs> if I'm still rolling three plus dice, um, I, I really, I, I really hope that you've lucked out and got natties because I might get it. That's why I always. That's it. why I always used to bring wedge against you, so you always had to roll one less dice. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. If I don't get to roll as many dice, I cannot. No matter what I want, I cannot get more paint. <laughs> I cannot get three paint if it's two dice. There's no easy way to deal with a swarm. Having had as many games with Devin over the years as I have, 
can tell you there's no easy way to deal with any swarm at any time. You have to take it one situation at a time. I disagree with Andrew's point about swarms being locked into two speeds. I think um, perhaps with a droid swarm, you know, the difference between a droid swarm and something like a cloud of torrents or, you know, TIE fighters or mining guild ties or something, the droids can't bank worth a shit. Nope, but the droids nope, can turn can. on a dime. They all, yep, they all they one turn they can't on bank you and you're just like, oh, hi. Yeah. No, I mean, um, there'll be plenty of swarms around in Minnesota. There's some really great swarm players out there from other countries and this one as well. But yeah, fly, flying aces is also taxing. It, you know, Not as taxing as three Shadow Fort Hunters. No, probably not. <laughs> That's a whole other bag of whatever you want to call it. It's gross. Did you bring that Texas? That's cute. Yeah. Look at them. Look at them trying to tractor things. Here, let me show you. Let me show you what my big beefy round discs can do. Uh, <laughs> Now, like, the one swarm that I do have the most trouble with is actually the vulture swarm. Uh, the seer swarm, to be exact. Scary uh, thing. What I find the most challenging of it is is that guess of, do you come in from the side, or are they, they going to guess your side shot? Um, I faced at Ottawa two vulture swarms, and uh, the one I guessed he was coming in on the side, and he was not and the second one i guess that he was not coming in towards the side and he did um now when he came on the guy who came on the side came at my kylo and kylo lived uh and then ran but uh the other one yeah he he took out my quick draw very quickly just because i misguessed there is no good side to come in on a vulture swarm because to your point, Jared, they they turn so easily. Yeah. More, more importantly, they wheel so easily. A swarm player's number one threat is the clock. Mm-hmm. It's very true. But nine times out of ten, they've got you in a final salvo. So you can't do nothing, yeah. but you've got to do something. Yeah, if you can clip some wings and then uh, take your points, it, a swarm is going to have a real hard time catching some of the big ace players, right? If, you, if you're flying aces, right? It doesn't even need to necessarily be an ace list. You can have four Republic ships or four Rebel ships and just know that your ships are worth more than one or two droids put together. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about droid swarms is that it's okay to not finish them off. You always have to finish them off. Even if it, oh, mean, yeah. even if it means taking an extra turn to come about. You can't leave them at half. So few amount of points. They're only 19. Yeah. Maybe 22 or 23, but... You essentially get 10 points on a half ship. Like, that's next to nothing. But when you remove two red dice and a turn you have to waste shooting at something, I think that's more valuable than the points you get. So the biggest advice I can give anybody playing swarms is be wary of the clock and the and the scoreboard. So let me ask... Can I use that as a... I know that we're running long. Can I ask yes. a question? Is it wrong to keep note at the table. Like, and according to the rules, you can't take notes in a yeah. match, right? What's the problem with a scoreboard? I've never I, understood I, that. Especially when you're playing against a regen Yeah, player. I don't know. I think there's good argument for it. I think uh, having having a scoreboard... You don't need, like, a... You don't need a friggin' jumbotron. Like, I'm just talking about a piece of paper with, like, here's your score, here's my score. Next yeah. round, double-check if it's changed, and then that's it. It's a public note. Hundred percent. I think it's. Uh, I, I think it's necessary. In fact, there is no rules against getting all that information prior to. Um, so at least, at least, and I think it's a really good call is to ask 
a person what their ships cost and give it a quick little jot down on your piece of note and then run that beside it. Uh, because how often are you in a game and you're like, hold on, can we just take a second and see where we're at? Right, and then you've <laughs> wasted, and then you've wasted fifty-seven seconds against a, a swarm player who's got a huge clock and score advantage against yeah. you. Yeah, and a final salvo advantage. Yeah, I think it's worth more to have that done and privy uh, well ahead of time, uh, and then being able to make a quick adjustment. Right, like, like, oh, half points. Okay, perfect, done. Um, rather than, like, st- stop, like everything, like right out and be like, okay, can we take a look at the whole game state right now? <laughs> like, if it, you should know, um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer on you should know what your ships are worth, hundred um, percent. You should like, be, like, you should be able to rhyme it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you. you uh, you should be able to also be able to create a exactly. You should have, be able to have a, a note or something where you can see where uh, what's on your what's how many points you scored, what's worth what on your opponent's list, like that kind of thing. I think you mentioned one uh, one key point with fighting the swarm is that because they're fighting a, flying a swarm, like you, the number of turns you're going to get goes way down. And, and Cliff ran into this at the at the hyperspace in Ottawa where his opponent. On, on the one round was a swarm opponent who showed up to the match late um, and the, the oh TO never docked the guy or anything, showed up to the match late by the time he had set up all of his stuff and they put maneuvers down for first turn, a half hour was gone. Get out of town. And so Cliff oh was yeah. had so little time to try and get a position and take shots that he felt like he lost the game before it started. He did. He needed a chess timer. He needed a chess timer. <laughs> he needed to call the TO over. I think and that it one I think sometimes people are a little sensitive around the idea and you're like, oh you know, it's all in the flavor of the game. I don't want to call a TO over. It's not a problem. You know, call a TO over over maybe they weren't uh, privy to the idea that there a swarm uh, that there there was a swarm being put down in place and they were already late to the game table. Like honestly I would have pushed for uh, no offense, but a, a win on that game. Like I, I would just be, you know, very respectful about it, and just, you know, hey, dude, you know, uh, I was here on time. I am set up. I am ready. Uh, you were unfortunately late by whatever means. I, I, I hope that uh, that it was a legitimate. Yeah, the guy had to go to the bathroom. Like, or something I hope you're like okay. That. Like it was. Yeah, like I'm sure it's legitimate. Not too many people are like out there to be like, yes, I'll work the clock and then I'll show up late to the yeah. match, right? You're like, yep, no problem, dude. Understandable, but however. By the time you get set up uh, and everything like that, uh, we're looking at a certain amount of time. So I would almost have a TO over there and just be like, you know, what's a reasonable amount of time for this game to start up and get moving? Um, can Is there justification here to say that perhaps this is a game loss for him? Um, as uh, the list that he brought is going to take a while to set up in the first place. And we're going to be so far into the game that it's almost not worth for it to have been played if we're losing at a half an hour out of the first... Uh, yeah. Movement, right? Uh, yeah. No, that, that that really needs to be expressed. So you know, talk about your stuff with your tos. If there's ever any kind of thing that you think, "Ooh, this is off," call somebody over. You know, it's worth talking about. Any uh, any closing thoughts or shout outs for us, Tim? Shout out to Canada House. Yeah. I mean, a. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, truthfully, uh, final thought. 
it's nice to not have to pitch seats. This one filled up pretty quickly. I think it's a good bunch of guys, and yeah, I wish I wish all of us luck. And uh, it's nice to have support from uh, from friends and, and and local teammates. I shall definitely be thinking about you all as as I'm up here in Canada with no passport or anything, and wishing you guys all the best of luck. Thanks so much, dude. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. It was uh, really uh, really appreciate you coming and talking. Like I said, really appreciate all the organization and stuff that you put it forth. The effort that you've done. So, well, Andrew, you would remember the tournament where you came to me and said, "Like, I want to do a podcast," and I'm like, "Well, that's dumb. I want to listen to you." <laughs> it's fair. It's true. And now it's look true. at you. People are only listening because we have a guest on. One of the suckers. <laughs> we figured that if we just continue to bring on more people, um, that's not us. Somebody's going to want to listen to someone else. <laughs> so we'll <get> <laughs> Well, bring your uh, bring your battery pack and try and get a couple of interviews with some of the folks that you're going to meet. Uh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, me. <laughs> Andrew, have you have you spoken to Mark about anything? I know the junkies are planning a pretty. They're going to plan as much content as they can get for the weekend. Have you talked to him about helping out? I think he's actually even come to me and spoke about the idea that uh, hey, if I'm uh, if I'm free, uh, come and join over. Would love to have him have me at the streaming tape for a little while, and I would love to join him. Mark's a great guy. Uh, shout out to X Wing Junkies. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure VWTV Live will be recasting everything uh, that's coming out of Minnesota. So tune in to them or anybody else that you can get uh, the streams on. I think there's going to be, to my guess, there'll probably be at least three or four streams from the from the event. I love that we're actually going to the River Center. That's where the Winnipeg Jets beat the Minnesota Wild like they stole something a couple of seasons back. All right on. Uh, how about you, Andrew? Any closing thoughts or shout-outs? Uh, yeah, shout-outs to the regulars. You know, Brew Wizards Board Game Cafe uh, in Oshawa, uh, Critical Hit uh, Gaming Lounge in Curtis. Uh, we got casual nights each, each week, and we got uh, events uh, two every single month and actually have an event coming up this Saturday at Brew Wizards Board Game Cafe. So if you're local to Oshawa, uh, for, you know, 10 bucks, you get a come on out, join, be privy to fantastic uh, uh, beers from all over uh, Canada. Um, it's some good craft brewery stuff. You also get uh, to experience some really great competitive play and some real great practice prior to Worlds, it will be an extended event. So if you want, uh, jump on Star Wars Gaming Durham on Facebook, and all the information will always be provided on there. That's Durham the region, not the person. Yeah, (laughs) not the person. I know that somebody recently was like, wait a minute, is he representing Durham? Because, like, like, is that just his tag name, and his his last name's different, or is the name actually Durham? And I'm like, no, it's actually Durham. (laughs) I represent it all many ways. I'm my own advertisement. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us once again. If you would like to get a hold of us, please feel free to reach out over Instagram or Facebook. We're also on Discord, and we'll leave a link in the description, and can also be reached by email at nattiespodcast at gmail.com. My name is Jared Grunewagen, and until next time, keep your ship on the mat, we're rooting for you, and as always, just roll natties. Natties.